Blog Talk Radio. Carol the Coach. Sex, love, and relationships. We talk about it here. Carol the Coach. Compassion with contemporary relevance. I am a psychotherapist. I can be your personal life coach and I can help you with your issues. There are no problems too small or too big. You can talk about anything. Speaker, columnist, radio TV host, and commentator. Carol the Coach brings messages of wellness and empowerment within reach of everyday people every day. Almost five years ago, I lost my soulmate in an accident. He was killed in a plane crash. Life just for me has seemed to stop. There are groups all over the city. I mean, I teach one. It is a specific way to start thinking so that you shift how you see the world, which then shifts your energy, and then you feel better and you actually see things differently. Carol the Coach, always available to at carolthecoach.com. Now I've got Russell on the line. I'm 47 years old. I'm a truck driver. I am married. I have a wife in San Francisco. Okay. I haven't been home in six months. My thing is, I, I don't know if I have a sex addiction or what the problem is. Why do I want what I can't have? And as soon as I can have it, I don't want it anymore. You're right on target when you say, I don't know if I have a sexual addiction. Well, guess what? Yes, you do. And you know what? That's my specialty, Russell. So you're at the right place. Continue. I meet women online and, and I'm in a different part of the country. I, I travel all 48 states, so I love sex. I hear self-esteem issues. You never felt good enough and you didn't feel like you were getting what you should have then. And you're re- enacting that now. Do you want to change that about yourself? Right. That is the million dollar question. Do you want to change? And, you know, I was just explaining to a couple uh, right before I got on to do the podcast that in I was taught that in essence, if you have one person in a relationship that wants to change, it will change everything. And so I am super excited to be able to talk to couples about how you might want to change. Now, you know that I have that workshop coming up in October. Go to Sex Help with Carol the Coach if you want to check out that seven-hour workshop on helping each other heal. It is so important to be able to do that. Why? Well, because one of the things that I absolutely know is that we help people to change. And I can't say that enough. That is what we're in the business for. And in this specialized niche of sex addiction, compulsive problematic sexual behavior, partner betrayal, we're here to make a difference and to help you, help you heal. So whether you're in a relationship or you're out of a relationship, it's all about you. And that's why I went, to, I went and became a feedback so that I would have the utmost in knowledge about sexual addiction in and of itself. CSET stands for Certified Sex Addiction Therapist. And then I started working with partners, and I realized, whoa, I don't know nearly enough about partner betrayal and trauma and how to help the partner. As a result, I got my APSATS training. And I am very excited to be interviewing Jesse Piles, who is also an APSATS coach. 
and has a specialized coaching um, practice for all types of situations. But Jesse has become an expert on betrayed male partners. And when he was talking about the differences in male partners and female partners and talking about some of the myths or some of the assumptions that we make about male partners, I said, hey, I've got to have you on the show. I would like for you to share with our listening audience all the information that you have gathered and gained and researched on male partners. Uh, We both feel like male partners are an underserved population. And so for that reason, um, I asked him to come on the show. You're going to find it fascinating. He's going to talk about the many, many different myths and, gosh, just what what we think about male partners that is not true, it works against them as opposed to for them. And you can imagine, I really believe that male partners don't have enough resources, and on top of it, um, there's, uh, I would say, more stigma to being a male partner. There certainly aren't as many services out there. I know that I am in the process of setting up uh, with another professional, and we're going to rewrite Help Her Heal so that it is Help Him Heal. And that's going to be a, a very interesting endeavor One, because I'm not sure of all the different nuances of helping him heal. So I am really, really, really looking forward to that. And what I believe is that when we know better, we do better. And therefore, part of what we need to do is to really work diligently I'm learning more, gaining more research, and doing better. All right. So now I am going to be introducing Jesse um, and want to find out all about his um, practice and also, gosh, why he decided to go to AXAT, uh, what made him decide to be a coach, and how he how he fell on this work. In some ways he says, hey, it found him. And isn't that the truth? One of the things I said as a practitioner, a psychotherapist, I will never work with couples. I don't like working with couples. It's too conflictual. Now what am I doing? I am working with the highest level in the world. And that, of course, is partner betrayal. So Jesse. Welcome to Sex Health with Carol the Coach. I am so excited to have you on the show. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you get into this business? Well, I have uh, I have backgrounds in uh, social science, humanities, um, qualitative research, mm-hmm. human behavior. I'm particularly drawn to researching instinctual human characteristics cognitive understandings and behaviors, societal norms, and the complex intersections and conflicts of these 
Um, and uh, beginning a number of years ago when I was a working professional, I noticed that a number of male colleagues and acquaintances, when I would speak with them, I guess I, I would speak as the humanist I am, uh -huh. and um, a number of them would begin to disclose that they had experienced betrayal in their lives. And it kind of caught my attention, and, you know, the more I talked with men over a course of more years, the more it became obvious that male experiences with infidelity are more common than um, might be expected, than might be acknowledged, and that men are hurting and there are minimal resources available to support them. So I took an interest in that, and uh, I began reading and listening to a lot of different sources on attachment, commitment, betrayal, trauma, and some of those names would be Stan Tatkin, Lee Balkum, Bethel van der Kolk, Rob Weiss, the Godmans, Omar Manwala, Patrick and Stephanie Carnes, Esther Perel, Linda McDonald's, and many others. Uh, just to kind of understand where where all this comes in, you know, where it sits and what is out there, what's available for men. Well, and I know and, you your style. And I know that, you know, you are really good at making people feel at ease. And so I believe Certainly with this population, we have to help men feel at ease with sharing their story, that there is no weakness, there is no um, stigma to this having happened to them. And so I'm so glad you're willing to, to speak about betrayal today. Hey, would you about some definitional terms that kind of help frame male experiences with intimate betrayal? Yeah, I think um, there's a couple that are really critical. Uh, one is commitment. And I think we can describe commitment as um, the context in which our cognitive brain understands attachment and bonding. Mm -hmm. And commitment matters in primary relationships tremendously. It's, it's a guidepost. And um, there are a whole lot of committed men in the world who have, have been betrayed, and I, I think it's an, important to acknowledge that commitment on the part of men. And then another concept is love. And uh, love, you know, love is a verb, uh, a lifestyle, a way of living. Love can be interpreted as a noun, feeling. Um, and that definition of we fell in love can often be used by unfaithful partners to rationalize their choices. I think that differentiating these definitions of love helps provide clarity understanding and validating how men experience giving committed love as a verb is also crucial to their recovery. And then part of it is uh, my reading of the literature says that infidelity has no basis in real love. Uh, Linda McDonald, who's written a book, uh, described intimate betrayal as a severe act of unlove. Dr. Lee Balkum wrote in the context of infidelity, love is about caring and attending to the other person and protecting the relationship. So I think defining commitment and love are really big, really big things. Oh, I agree 100%. And of course, some of those people are my heroes too. Um, so let me ask you, obviously, as you were studying this subject, 
you ran into the stigmatization of what it's like to be a man and to have been betrayed. And you ran into it early, as you said, in, in your college years when you, when you and the guys were really talking about it. Wouldn't you agree that female infidelity and the male experiences with it is really an uncomfortable topic for a lot of people? Yeah, and I, 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 I think it is, and it's uncomfortable for a lot of reasons. And I, I think they're uncomfortable, and the fact that they're uncomfortable, make, uncomfortable makes them almost invisible. And I say this is particularly true in the context of betrayed men who have had multiple discoveries or disclosures of infidelity in, in their primary relationship. Mm. So it seems that identifying some of these stigmas is a good way to discuss male betrayal experiences. Another reason that uh, it's an uncomfortable topic is that discussing male infidelity tends to invite discussions of two related themes, which is female infidelity in of itself and the reasons for it, Mm -hmm. and then the comparison of male experiences with female experiences. And in my research, I would say neither theme is particularly helpful when discussing male experiences. And I think the reasons why this is uh, discussing male experiences tends to shed light on topics surrounding infidelity, female infidelity specifically, which can lead to misunderstandings. And describing male experiences based on female experiences can lead to confusion. So I think if we, if we, uh, if we focus just on male experiences, it helps us understand it better without transitioning into female infidelity and comparisons to female betrayal experiences. Okay. Um, So, okay. You know, there's lots of myths or, well, you know, in working with female partners, I remember the days when we called them co-addicts and we told them that they were as sick as the addict. Oh, just even saying that on the air makes me sick, that we would ever have put them on them. You know, addiction and compulsive sexual behavior is so secretive. There's so much deception. There's no sickness in a partner at all for having experienced this without their knowledge. So I know that you referenced something that kind of had that coatic sound when you said that your research and your studies show that there's a lot of bias. A lot of people believe that unhealthy finds unhealthy. Can you can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I, I've, um, you know, I've, I know that sounds very similar to co-addiction, mm-hmm. but um, I think it seems to run even deeper. And I, I have only heard it modern in recent years in the context of betrayed men. I, I'm sure it's out there for betrayed women as well still, especially co-addiction. I've heard that. But uh, unhealthy signs unhealthy in the context of betrayed men it kind of suggests that something is wrong fundamentally with a man who committed to a woman who eventually betrays him. Right. 
And one flaw with this line of reasoning that seems pretty obvious is that it reads events backwards. It reads history backwards, right? Mm -hmm. And specifically, I believe that, you know, choosing to be unfaithful, that's a choice, right? You, you have to break through a whole bunch of value systems and barriers to do that. And so no one is responsible for the choices of someone who chooses to be unfaithful. So, um, you know, I, I've heard this and it's like, and I've had men tell me, well, there must be something wrong with me because I read that unhealthy finds unhealthy. And, you know, heard that, I've noticed that betrayed men who are told that, it tends to enhance their confusion and upheaval regarding their betrayal experience because somehow it makes the unfaithful female partner's choices about the betrayed man and not her own choices. Yeah, absolutely. And we know um, in the larger population with females that they really feel there must have been something wrong with them, that they didn't matter, that they weren't sexy enough, that they weren't attractive enough, that they were unlovable. Do you feel like some of those same cognitive distortions um, affect males? You know, that's a, it's an interesting uh, concept the men I've spoken with have all acknowledged that it affects them to an extent. And I've actually asked a number of men to put a percentage on how the comparisons or determining that something may be wrong with them because of their female partner's decisions. And uh, the answer I've consistently gotten is somewhere between 1% and 5%. Okay. It's they don't now, you know, have I ever conducted, you know, detailed research on that topic? No, I've just noticed that the comparison itself is doesn't seem to be a tremendously big issue. Um except for three things. Um which is a concept of uh unfaithful partners typically a faring down. We hear that a lot in the context of betrayal. Huh? Um, but I think what we what we come across when, when we speak with men is that it may not be true that women who choose to be unfaithful affair down consistently. So the comparisons tend to come up on male affair partners' social statuses, their physical appearance, specifically, you know, that they have broad shoulders and, you know, muscular. And, and then the other one is, like, big, gregarious personalities. And so those tend to be the topics of, uh, of comparison. But, like, again, I said, you know, I've asked a number of men to put a number on the percentage of the betrayal experience, the upheaval. And the number is consistently 1% to 5% of the experiences based on comparison. Okay. Interesting. Well, I hope you're keeping track of all this. Um, because, you know, again, men have been – well, a lot of male partners that I've talked to, they get a lot of – 
innuendos of just get over it, you know, just get over it. Be a man. Stand tall. Uh, you can get through this. Get over it. What do you think about that kind of statement uh, spoken to a man who's experienced betrayal and, and probably trauma? Yes, it's um, and a helping professional will say that to me outright in a conversation on this topic. Actually, said men just get over it, right? Mm. And um, I, I was, you know, I was a little bit baffled by that. Um, you know, it, it, it's definitely a misunderstanding, and it appears to have very complex roots. Um, seems to be that maybe one of the reasons for it is that, you know. I, the men I've talked to are definitely not immune to the pain of betrayal, but uh, some men seem to be inclined to just bury the pain as deeply as they can, hmm. right? Because they don't know what to do with it, right? They they just don't know what to do with it. So just bury it, bury it, bury it. Uh, there's nothing you can do with it, you know. Another one that seems to be a reason for that concept, you know, that I've discussed this topic with with men as well, and here too, they seem to constantly identify fearing coming forward asking for help because they're concerned that their experience may be misunderstood and what they have read about betrayal tends to be centered on female experiences and it doesn't really land with them, but they're afraid to speak their own experiences um, for fear of being misunderstood. Well, I get that totally. And, and you know, again, for men, and we're talking heterosexual male betrayal, um, that there's a, there's a real confusing stance that women cheat for romance. And yet, for a lot of men, they don't even know really what romance is. Can you talk to that a little bit? Yeah, that's a big sticking point, and and I've heard it and I've heard it and read it spoken basically this way. Um, that it's it's like an implied thing. Um, Romance can be a really confusing word for men in the context of betrayal. And specifically, what men understand, committed men, I would say, betrayed men understand about romance is that there, there's a, an attachment of, of real love and genuine concern, right? So a committed man in, a, in an intimate relationship will um, – often perceive romance as a need of the woman he committed to, the woman he loves, and he'll set out to be as romantic as possible as, as he understands it, as he understands that, uh, bringing flowers, cooking a meal, right, um, washing dishes, buying a, a piece of jewelry, giving a surprise gift, right? Right. So then to be told that she betrayed him because she didn't have romance in her life can be profoundly painful. Uh-huh. And uh, it suggests to the man that he wasn't meeting her romantic needs when he was doing everything he knew that 
he could do, you know, reading books about, I mean, reading, you know, how to, how to support your female partner, you know, take out to dinner, special getaways, things like that, right? Mm-hmm. And um, it also seems to connote, I've heard some men comment that if you tell me that my wife cheated for romance, then you're somehow giving something that sounds like a partial excuse, mm-hmm. like cheating for romance is partially excusable. And um, I find that pretty difficult, you know. Um, I, I have kind of an alternative view on on uh, the way the way this has been described to me. It's kind of like in in the context of betrayal, romance is kind of a nice word for excitement, you know. And uh, primary relationships can be exciting at times, but uh, really they're about dependability and steadiness, and so. Uh, that romance word, it's, you know, coming from the male perspective, it's like that's a hard thing for a betrayed man to be told. Well, I get that. And if you if you exchange it with the word excitement, you know, that fits the arousal template of what happens to men when they betray women. It's really about looking for something novel, something new, something um, exciting, something taboo. And... I do suspect that women cheat for some of those same reasons, Um, you know, whether they're having a midlife crisis, whether they've got a lot of responsibility and they just want to feel something they haven't felt in a while. No excuses because once in a committed relationship, you figure out how how to get your needs met in healthy ways and also how to get met from your husband. Um, you know, you said, a, you said a phrase just a while ago, and it was a phrase that I have heard in this field, and yet I wanted our listening audience to really understand a fair up. Um, you know, we hear, give her a hands up, give him a hands up, you know, which to me obviously means that you take them when they're not feeling so good and you help them up and and give them something they didn't have to feel better and what you what you talk about with your research and with your anecdotes is unfaithful partners usually a fair down um so can you talk a little bit about that yeah we can talk about it um you know what um I've read it and heard it spoken in the context of helping a betrayed partner feel less bad mm-hmm. about comparing themselves to the person that the unfaithful partner chose. Okay. And, um, you know, I, I've, I've read on this, I've spoken with men about it and, um, most of the ones I've I've engaged with on various levels have said my female partner affaired up, hmm. mm-hmm. which is to say she chose someone who made more money than he did, or had higher higher social standing. Um, she chose someone with a big, gregarious, 
congenial personality. Okay. Or she chose someone who had a more robust physical appearance than he did. And so I've noticed consistently that, you know, men have said that that doesn't make a lot of sense when I, when I hear, when I read that people who choose affairs usually affair down in terms of, of um, you know, personal qualities. And uh, a number of men have said that, that hasn't been their personal experience. So it just seems to be worth noting that at least in the context of male experiences with female betrayal, it might not be particularly true. Again, I think that's really an interesting idea. Um, I was sitting here thinking about my experience in working with sex addicts, and other than the male that may go for uh, a call girl or um, an escort who's glamorous and very expensive, the majority of my male partners, I'm sorry, my male sex addicts, you know, they they may see something that looks good um, on a website or in a magazine or on newsprint, but what they find is when they get there, um, wow, it's way different than advertised. And it's one of the things that helps them to say, I am never doing this again. And then the next thing they know, due to the compulsivity and obviously the addiction itself, they go back again and again and again. Maybe not with the same person, but they get the same experience. So, you know, when I heard that affair up versus affair down, I thought that was a really interesting um, comparison that that your clients have seemed to make. Now, remind everybody because you obviously have this coaching practice and you are an AppSats uh, coach and you are interested in male partner betrayal. You really do want um, partners, male partners, to know that there are services for them. Your, your practice is on solid ground professional coaching. And you and I both know that AppSats has a directory. Is that the best way, Jesse, that they can get a hold of you? Anybody? It is. It's, yeah. it's, it's the best way to get a hold of me. I have my email address there. I have a, a statement of um, my approach to coaching um, men who have been betrayed. I have a phone number that can be called. And there's also uh, access to uh, the platform I use to book my coaching services, um, but that is that is where I um, that is where I offer my uh, services specifically relating to uh, betrayed men. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the things I always say in working with heterosexual couples, where the male is the perpetrator or the offender or the betrayer, and the woman is the partner. I really encourage female sex addicts form their own groups and not intermix with male sex addicts for a variety of reasons. Um, it, it can be very helpful to them to hear what males have to say and vice versa, but 
it's very triggering for partners. It actually can be triggering for um, both the male and female sex addicts. What resources are out there for betrayed male partners? You know, the, the, there are some resources out there. Um, and I would say that without singling any of them out, I've uh, spoken with a number of men about the resources that are available. Mm-hmm. And uh, there are a few. Um, consistently, it, uh, it seems that they tend not to land um, with men. Um, you know, I, I've heard some people say they're minimally helpful or, or not helpful at all, which is why I don't want to call any of them out. Um, I, I know that the, the material that I'm speaking of, it, it tends to encourage men in one way or another to take high-minded kind of approaches that they don't necessarily really, they don't necessarily land. Hmm. Um, and um, it's, um, and, and I believe that that has to do with most of the material is still on the concept of what it is like to be a betrayed female. Mm-hmm as opposed to what it is like to be a betrayed male, which has to do with things that are rooted deep in, you know, the the complex instinctual nature of, of the human species, for lack of a better term. Okay. And so what I heard you saying when I asked, what are the resources out there? You said they're out there, but I'm not necessarily going to recommend them because as of yet, you don't think they're probably a good fit. You know, I I can say that the two most gender neutral resources that have been referred to me mm-hmm. and that that I have read are uh, Linda McDonald has a book that the title is something to the effect of how to help your spouse heal from your affair, mm. and uh, you know, I, I was referred to that book, and as, as uh, a gentleman told me, it was helpful for him, and I read it, and, and I could see why. And then Dr. Lee Bauckham has a book that's like Recovering from the Affair, and he also writes very gender neutral, and um, and and that that helps. You know, that I've I've had some men talk about how that is helpful. But um, in general, the, the resources that I know of that are specifically for men tend to um, convey experiences like when men read it, they're told somehow that this is how they're supposed to feel. But when they compare how they feel with what is written and the resource that supposedly for them, it doesn't necessarily land. Okay. And uh, and so that's that's why the the 
the ones that are out there specifically identified for men. Um, I, I, you know, I, I'm not going to call them out simply because I haven't had anyone who has read any of them talk about how incredibly helpful they were. Okay. And so what would your advice be to female um females who have compulsive problematic sexual behavior or who have been unfaithful and or what would your advice be to male partners? What would you tell them to do? I would say that the, um, I think this has to be addressed position of the helping professionals creating resources that are specifically for men who've been betrayed that land with them and resources specifically for women who have been unfaithful that land with them. Um, I, I know I've, I've read your books and um, I know that you know that um, for a couple that chooses to recover from infidelity, that's a that's a long haul thing, mm-hmm. right? There's no magic magic solution. There's no um, there's no silver bullet, if you will, right? Mm-hmm. It's a long haul thing. So I would say that in the terms of um, you know a lot more research and material that is really based on, you know, one of our problems, I think, when we when we talk about helping betrayed men, we just don't know enough, right? And, like, it's a, it's a fairly small sample size of men who are willing to come forward and talk about their experiences. So I would say that paying attention to their specific – I've noticed that consistently the concepts that are conveyed in the material that is there for the general public that talk about betrayal trauma. They land with men on a human level, right? It it is terrible to be betrayed. But they don't necessarily land as frequently on the concepts of their experience as they try to work through it. Uh-huh. So finding helping professionals who are, you know, open to helping women with the choices to be unfaithful and who have the experience to speak with men and the curiosity to ask questions and be willing to listen to men speak about their experiences and, you know, take note of these and conduct research and, and things like that. So that's uh, but, you know, it's a long haul, as you know. Absolutely. And, and before we end, would you share with our listening audience some of the gut-wrenching statements men hear from their betrayed partners when they're in that period typically of discovery and the partner is trying to rationalize, justify, 
minimize, deny, whatever. What kinds of things do male partners hear? You know, the thing I've seen, uh, I've read and heard, the most common one, the female partner saying, the affair was not about sex. Mm-hmm. And this is, this is, uh, this confuses consistently. I've had a number of men talk about, well, you've, my wife has had a sexual affair, but it wasn't about sex. It doesn't make sense to them, right? Um, and, you know, so I, one of, a number of responses have been towards the unfaithful woman. If it wasn't about sex, then why did sex happen? And then uh, the other response that a number of husbands have, have said is that, well, it certainly was about sex for the man that you engaged with. Mm-hmm. So it's a real kind of, uh, I've never heard a man who has been told that by his female partner say it helped, and uh, I've heard all of them say it created more damage. Well, that makes sense. Um, yeah. What else um, have you heard? Go ahead. What else have you heard? What are some other pain? You know, I've I've, I've heard, uh, you know, I've heard a number of men say the woman has said, "Well, I wasn't satisfied in the relationship." And, um, and you know, that also tends to lead back into that I was unfaithful for romance, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But, I mean, my reading of the literature is that uh, a number of helping professionals have described affairs as treason against the relationship. And there are many things that you can do if you're unhappy with your relationship. And affair is the last thing you should do based on, based on what the literature says. Yeah, and uh, probably the most difficult um, that is, is um, it's not very common. It, it's not most common, but I've spoken with a handful of men whose, whose female partner wanted sympathy because the physical engagement didn't turn out the way she expected it. And the easiest way to put that is um, – I've heard it phrased this way from men telling me that the female partner said, I didn't know that my male affair partner would want that. That defined openly, but I know that uh, it really messes with betrayed men because it assumes that uh, the woman they committed to who they loved um, didn't know, didn't expect, Mm-hmm. that the man that she engaged with was going to try to nudge her physical boundaries or push her physical boundaries or maybe dump her immediately after. Um, so that is that is one of those things that tends to create a, a lot of pain for men. I didn't know that the male affair partner would want that, whatever that may be. Well, Jesse, I cannot thank you enough for sharing your wisdom, your expertise, for for having picked this niche to to help our clients with. It is so underserved. You can tell that you're a wealth of knowledge. And remind everybody again, they can go to apps.org, and that's A-P-S-A-T-S dot org, and they can look for Jesse Pyle on the directory 
and it is there that they can find ways to contact you. Is that correct? That's correct. That's correct. And I have a little write-up about my approach to coaching. And uh, but yes, that's where that's where I advertise that set uh, of coaching services. Okay, Jesse, keep up the good work. And when you write that first book or create that first course, let us know, and we'll have you back on again. All right. Thank you so much for the invite. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Jesse. Talk to you soon. All right. So, understandably, Jesse is um, obviously filled with expertise on that. So, if you know somebody who's having trouble, uh, and he's a male partner, that's Jesse Piles, P-Y-L-E-S. So, that's it for the show today. And um, don't forget, if you want to be part of a workshop that will help catapult you into that help them heal model, the IRCA model, the early recovery couples empathy model. Um, It's very reasonable. It's on a Friday. It's seven hours with yours truly. And I would love to have you. And that is in October. So go to www.sexhelpwithcarolthecoach.com. It'll morph right into help them heal, and then look for the workshop tab. That being said, um, I want to thank you for your patronage. And, you know, it's September 11th today, and I remember 21 years ago when all my colleagues were getting cancellations because September 11th happened, I didn't miss a client. They were all coming in to talk about their sad, scared, angry feelings of watching those buildings explode and implode. And and I want to thank our service people, men and women, um, our fire people, our uh, police, anybody who's in human services that protect us. I want to thank you for your service, and I want us to say a little prayer for what happened back in 2001, and everything that we seem to be going through as a country right now. Don't get discouraged. Everything swings back. Um, I think climate control or whatever this is will get better. But as I always say, there will only be one of you at all times, so fearlessly have the courage to be yourself. And we will see you next week more sex health with carol the coach talk to you soon lucky land casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky lucky in line at the deli i guess aha in my dentist's office more than once actually do i have to say yes you do in the car before my kids pta meeting really yes excuse me what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky i never win and tell well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.